welcome to the Inclusive Leader Podcast. The practice of inclusive leadership enables us to tackle the complex challenges of our times. This is the space for conversations about inclusive leadership. I am your host, Jörg Schmitz, and I welcome you to this episode. Welcome to this episode of the Inclusive Leader Podcast. It is a great pleasure of mine to introduce you to Imme Gerke and Jacques Trollet. Both are running the Kulturenwerkstatt in Bremen, Germany. A Kulturenwerkstatt essentially means cultural workshop. And in this workshop, they're actively engaged in applying inclusiveness principles to stitching together the social fabric between companies and governments, uh, communities and other organizational stakeholders. And they have been doing this at the global level. A concept that they have developed uh, along the way is the idea of self-diversity, or what they call in German Eigenvielfalt. And this has become a real recipe to reaching across distinctive stakeholders to create better outcomes for all. And that's ultimately the definition of inclusive leadership. So without further ado, it's a pleasure to share my conversation with them. And I am very hopeful that you will be intrigued by their approach and their learning enough so to learn more. So here is my conversation with Ime and Jacques. So I, um, it's really a pleasure to have both of you in this, uh, in this podcast. So I'm just curious, I mean, as I ask everybody, um, so what do you do? We are government and industry advisors, and we work worldwide. That means we are, sometimes we are bringing uh, governments together across political borders, across national borders, across continental um, divides. We bring companies together who have a shared business interest or who are looking for somebody um, and we establish the contact. And sometimes it is the a company in the one country and a government in another country or it is, no, actually that is the last option. <laughs> oh no, and sometimes it is government and industry in the same country and we help companies to deal with their own government. Everything that we do has something to do with food. So we are in either it's crop production or it's crop protection, meaning pesticides or fertilizers and things like that. It's processing, it's, it's packaging, it's shipping, it's all of it. But some are related to people eating and all the permits and authorizations and certifications and tools and everything surrounded. We see ourselves not as another wheel in the motor. We are just the oil in the motor. That means we come in and we make the, the, the motor uh, work more smoothly, more efficiently. Uh, we wash the sand out of the motor because there's a lot of sand in it. And because of what we are doing there, so what allows us to do this is on one hand, we are scientists. We're both biologists. We have worked in agriculture now for about 40 years. We have been government. So we were advisors to the Canadian government as civil servants. Uh, we are working on the international scene since 1994. That means within NAFTA, with the EU, uh, within OECD, within the UN, and so on. So we know that field. 
And at the end of the day, when it comes down to individual people doing or not doing something, it becomes human and it becomes a question of self-engagement, of leadership. So this is what we also do. And what allows us to do that is a training that we got from a Swiss government many years ago before we were sent to Africa where we lived and worked for many years. And this is why, why I thought that this was directly related to the idea of inclusiveness in that you, you have this deep experience in bridging industry and governments and different types of organizations in order to create something together or create, or just, just understand each other. Right. And that's, that's so much part of what I understand you to focus on the elements of how do we come together and achieve something together, create a common outcome when our organizations are so different, right? And even our cultures are so different. Absolutely. And so at the base of this, so when we come down to the individual, then it's really a question, what can the individual person do? And this is where the concept of self-diversity comes in. The more diverse we are as an individual, the more we are able to interact with others around the world. But self-diversity means you develop your own inner structure. And that's important to not get lost in the whole complexity. And I, I'm, I'm really intrigued. And Jack, I'm curious what your, <laughs> what your take on, on, on this is. because, And usually I, I'm, I'm, I'm so used to people thinking about diversity as being about others, right? I mean, maybe it's a little bit about ourselves in relation to others, but you are really one of the first people that I've heard talking about self-diversity. Yeah, what does does that mean, actually? Yeah, I love the, the concept so much that I had to, to think about a German word to describe it. And German is not my language, but I heard so very often people, the first description of the concept was third culture, uh, which applies not only to culture, and it's clear, men, women are two different cultures, profession, lawyers versus scientists, etc. We all know that. The question is, how can we create a better world with those different, very sometimes value-based different attributes? And But language, as we all know, is extremely important. And German did not react well to the word uh, third culture. Cross-culture, surprisingly enough, uh, is English. And I would say a certain proportion react allergically to, to, to the fact that it's not German word. So I worked, and not alone, with a lot of people, which word would be, and yeah, Eigenvielfalt came up. And then I realized, actually, Eigenvielfalt is a better descriptor than the English cross-culture, which people think to a different culture with cross-culture, which led us to a direct translation from Eigenvielfalt to self-diversity. And actually, that's the base. And out of that, you can move into what you call leadership inclusion, inclusion leadership, serve, and then we extend to servant leadership, which I'm sure most people have heard of, which is probably a truer leadership, uh, and swarmship, which is probably my preferred. You have an inter in intimate connection to the word swarmship, right? <laughs> Yeah, that too. So, yeah, that's that's the only take. And just to uh, basically, Emir covered it all. That's why I remain uh, exceptionally silent. I would simply add to the government and industry growers 
are in our field key partners, key groups, because um, so far, you know, when you think about sustainable agriculture, most of the time it's the company deciding what it makes sustainability. And we know by experience in Canada and in the developing world and in the US and Europe, this is not how it works. That is not where sustainability is. Sustainability is driven by the users, by the growers, with a certain influence from the consumers, but they don't understand as much as the growers. But for that, to achieve that, to bring those people together so that they don't kill each other or you know, even animosity is not a good ingredient. You got to bring in, allow people to develop the abilities to deal with that diversity. And that is when you develop yourself the ability to own and enjoy and thrive with your own diversity. So I'm now imagining this, you know, this environment where people represent different different organizations, different institutions, some for-profit, some governmental growers, as you said, and this with a sense of animosity and and so forth. And and you're you're coming in with the idea of self-diversity as a solution. I'm just imagining what that feels like because it 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 must get awfully contentious or difficult when when you're in in that that type of an environment it is and typically when we walk in we are the only ones with self diversity at least we are the only ones who are aware of it and who constantly work on it so in self diversity you build yourself like a mosaic and to build a mosaic you need different pieces and the question is where do those pieces come from and I can take these pieces from other cultures. I can take it from other fields of work. So if I'm a farmer and I learn something about the work of a regulator or the processor or the trader or the regulator learns something about the farmer, they integrate these pieces in themselves. So this is what they need. They need each other to develop self-diversity. It has to come from somewhere. It doesn't grow in us. We have to collect it. And so you really, for building yourself, you collect in the knowledge of the other. So it's not anymore, I am right and you are wrong, or here is me and let's forget about you. But it is, okay, I need what you think and I need what you know to be able to design myself. Or in a particular situation, if you're a very precise sub, uh, subject at hand, then it's not me, let's say A, it's not you, B, it's not a compromise in between, that is the old thinking school, it is C, that we built both and where we both get 100% of our expectations. No, you're missing the image of the triangle, right? A, B, C being a triangle. That's what I meant. And just to go back to our original question, the, the, the worst tensions at the beginning, the biggest dissatisfaction at the end. Hmm. The biggest satisfaction at the end. But it, the satisfaction at the end because people can look back and see where where they come from, essentially. I mean, it's, it's really, a, I, I imagine this developmental journey that people, that transforms people. Yes, absolutely. But... It's not only by looking back and seeing how far they came. It is also to see, wow, I got way more than I thought I wanted when I came here. So 
both or all three or all four sides leave the room, not in a compromise where everybody sees what they have lost, but everybody leaves with the feeling, my, I gained this and this and this and this, and I didn't even know that was an option. So this is where the deep satisfaction comes from. And how powerful. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about this. I mean, obviously, you're doing this in, in a sector that's incredibly important and is becoming, I mean, in the world we are experiencing right now is becoming even more important, right? I mean, when you think about food and, and, and everything related to food. Um, but I, I can see so many applications for this because we're stepping literally, I mean, we've probably all experienced this after the COVID experience that public-private partnerships will become so much more important to tackle the big and smaller challenges that we all face from climate change to peace to, um, to trade to development to health security. Just managing the tremendous social pressures that many societies are under. Yeah, and I actually think all societies are under. The question is, how are we dealing with it? And then we're having those who say, okay, let's cooperate, right? We are sharing this planet. As the kids say, there is no planet B, and I would agree with that. So, And the planet is round, so we can't avoid each other. So the approach is cooperative. In my mind, that's the only sustainable approach. And then there's the other approach, which we currently see happening in Ukraine, which is the old approach where I just walk into somebody else's country and I just, and I fight and I do war and whatever. There's nothing of cooperation. And I think this is why it becomes so personal nowadays. Everybody follows every minute of what's happening in Ukraine. And we know it could be different and we know it should be different and we know where it should result. We see how the fight in Ukraine affects the hunger in Africa. It's, I mean, anybody who hasn't got the point yet is, I don't know, lost somewhere, I guess. So then the question is, as a person, how, where do I find my place in that, in that complexity? And I think that only works through self-diversity. It doesn't tell you what to do, but it gives you options to design yourself and your role in the overall system. It's it's really powerful, <laughs> and but it's it's also daunting, I assume, right? So I'm just wondering. I mean, because I ask everybody, why do you do this? Why is that your focus? And I mean, I can al almost sense the answer a little bit because you already talked about creating a better world and 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 so forth. But you know, for you personally, why why are you doing this work? I think I mean we're two people probably with two different motivations. The good thing is they are compatible. I got involved in this because I didn't, as a child, I didn't like Germany. I really didn't. Germany wasn't good to me. I didn't like it. And then I was lucky enough to meet somebody who told me, you know what, out there in the world, you know, there, go look, there's a lot of good stuff. Just go. And so that's when I left and I found a lot of good stuff. I really, really did. And on this path, I also found a lot of bad stuff. Seeing children in Africa dying of hunger and you can't save them, changes you. So there is no way of saying, okay, you know what? Now I retire. I don't care anymore. Yeah, I do care. And I will never stop caring. And now I'm back in Germany because everything that I have learned, I want to bring here because Germany isn't up to speed on these things. So 
this is why we do what we do, but our focus is not on Germany. Our focus is on people around the world to develop self-diversity and practice it. It's funny, I, I just had in, had this image of the hero's journey in my head, you know, because the hero in a, after, after leaving always comes back, right, and is transformed. That's so true. Okay, I should look up some books and, uh, about heroes <laughs> and see where they end. <laughs> well, Joseph Campbell, highly recommend him. Jack, what, what, what's your motivation, I mean, in, in this? Because Ima said, you know, there are two motivations here. Yeah. Uh, yes. And, you know, they, as Ima said, they complement each other, but in a way they're a little bit different. For me, I see that the European project has to succeed if we want to make it as a species. So shortly put in a nutshell, uh, it doesn't come by itself. Ima gave the example of the war. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't focus... I mean, it's, of course, it's elements all, all over the place, but you have those tensions, those populistic tension, those impatience, those frustration everywhere. Let's think about the Republican in the U.S. and what's happening now. Uh, let's think about the, the IFD in, in Germany and, and the Le Pen in uh, France, and I can go on and on and on and name them all. They are popular. Erdogan is popular. Have a look at what happened in Hungary. He was re-elected with a majority. How do we explain that and how do we change that, for example? I explain is easy. People are frustrated. I just said it, and there are different reasons for that. And then I'm back to what Ima started with. I don't think it's if we don't have the abilities to deal with diversity, and I mean diversity as in, in general, um, professional, gender, cultures, language, uh, uh, religion, name it. If we don't have the abilities to thrive with those differences, with that variability, and being able to do it on a time scale, so through time, it change, namely changes, it's not going to go well. We're, and we're, we won't even have the energy to deal with the most important aspect, which is global warming. So we need now, and that is my hope, we need that training, like we need math and history courses, training in, uh, in the primary school and the secondary school. We need it all over the place so that it takes over populism. And yes, we have to deal with the adults of now because they are now in charge. But we have to plan on a long-term strategy the same way as we had. It would be, if you want, the new philosophy mandatory courses that were taken away of all schools in the world because it was too empowering. Applied eigenvielfalt training, uh, self-diversity training, so that people can thrive with the way the world is. We say, oh, global. It's cool. Globalization, fantastic. Yes, only if we can deal with it. And not through violence. As soon as your, viol your solution uh, includes violence, think again and practice your eigenvielfalt. It's great because, you know, I think in, um, in this right now, and you gave so many examples that the opposite of inclusive leadership is divisive leadership, right? And polarizing leadership. And, and certainly we see a resurgence of that, partially because it's easier, right? It, it, you know, and, and so I really like your emphasis on it requires training, it requires practice, 
um, to put something, a force against the elements of divisive or polarizing leadership. Yeah, just a little comment before to what you said. It takes, sorry, it takes energy. The natural tendency is maybe at the beginning easier, but then you realize, oh, in what did I run, right? And then it's, then it's really tough. So I prefer to spend my energy originally and then enjoy the slide. I would just like to say one more thing about leadership, Jörg, because you just brought up leadership again. I think for leadership, you know, to, or for leaders to develop self-diversity is so important for us to implement any change because nobody of us starts life as a leader. We grow into the role. So the younger generation that is now coming up and might actually be more diverse, might actually have more self-diversity by, by nature because of the effects of globalization. When they meet leaders that do not have their own self-diversity, then the leaders feel insecure in dealing with the people they are supposed to manage, but they have skills that they, the leaders, have not. So we have to make sure the leaders are fit to lead those who are just coming. This, for me, is why the reason is so strong to deal with the leaders, to help them be develop self-diversity. And that's why I am so excited to have you part of this institute, actually, because there is a lot, I mean, precisely because of what you just said, there is a lot of learning that needs to happen and openness to, to integrating that into the way we lead and that leaders understand the dynamics with the people, with their followers in a certain sense, although that's not a, not a comfortable word for me, at least. So as we are, we are bringing at least this conversation to a close, I'm wondering whether each of you have like one really practical sense of advice or skill you would like to leave people with today, at least. Um, I know they'll, they'll have opportunities to engage with you much more, but just wondering if there's one thing that people could actually do, um, maybe something that, that helps them build their Eigenvielfalt. I, I, I mean, obviously there are many, but I think the one where it really starts is to stop. Just to stop yourself on the track you are on and wait for what is coming from the other. Let it come to you. Don't try to control it. Let it come. Take it in. Don't make a wall. And trust that you yourself can do something with it. So, you know, trust that you can deal with whatever is coming your way from the other one. And then you can start building but you first have to allow it instead of suppressing it. That takes courage and lots of training. Well, then I will hook on to your train, Emma. And I will say, once you have achieved that, you have stopped. And something comes to you every day, if not many times a day. Then the more difficult it is, the more fantastic and uh, fantastic opportunity it is. And I'll just give an example uh, that just comes to mind. Last uh, Saturday, as we were uh, supporting a local activity, there was a traditional four-family, a four-generation dentist uh, that was beside us. And uh, just then comes a an Afro-German attacking uh, him, or fundamentally a misunderstanding. So this was, you know, 
a wonderful, somebody could have said, oh my God, they are going to fight. The dentist was 70 years old and the young African was 35 and the muscle mass was a bit different. And I saw around me, everybody beside one person and me went away. When you have such a tension situation, and of course, that's, that's not the, the, the traditional context in, in a business meeting, but it's just an example. The highest the tension, the more beautiful the opportunity to, yeah, to make a change in the aggression or misunderstanding or uh, coming up at eye level, understanding the other and then taking it from there. So that was the hook. Once it comes to you, Whatever comes, it's a wonderful opportunity. So in other words, also not being afraid of that conflict or that tension that that, that emerges, right? That... You cannot force it. You have to practice it. It's like math. Resist the urge to connect to one side. Just don't. Be there for both. That's hard to do. <laughs> but powerful, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And self-diversity grows by doing it. So thank you for this conversation. And uh, I'm really excited to, um, to bring you into this, what we're building here. And you'll find, um, I think, a great audience for what you do and also some reinforcers um, as well. So, so thank you for, for sharing this um, with me and us uh, today and, and more to come. Thank you for listening. You can sign up for more wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for the Inclusive Leader Podcast. To find out more about the Inclusive Leadership Institute, visit us at www.theinclusiveleadershipinstitute.com. Thank you.